in Acts chapter 10, we're actually going to be looking at something similar. We're going to be looking at a missionary work, a missionary journey that one of the apostles did that was totally out of his comfort zone. Something totally unexpected, out of the ordinary, a culture shock, something that he was not thinking on, something new that God was doing that was totally opposite of his culture is what he knew up to this moment, what he practiced, uh, 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 talking about people, talking about place. It was just going to be something totally different that God is going to call him to walk into. You know, so many times we, we, we speak or, or we talk about being used by God or want to be in what God is doing and be and be part of God's work. One of the things we have to realize in this is the the, the faith factor. The faith factor. Um, I am not a swimmer. Okay. Um, I, I I remember when I was a young boy, they were given swimming lessons, but I didn't have a chance to go to the first five or ten classes when they actually were teaching people how to float. I got to the classes later. You know, the fun time when you're jumping in, when you dive in, and those kind of stuff. So up to this day, I cannot float. I mean, if I have to go across, um, I remember one time I was down in the ocean there in, um, in, 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 in uh, Venezuela, and they have, um, they call it the buoy, um, I don't know what this is, it's the buoy, right? And it was right, you know, it seemed not that far. Okay, and the guy said, let's swim over and come back. I thought I could do it. I was wrong. So I began swimming, and all in a sudden, halfway, my arms got tired. And I didn't realize that in order to swim that far, you have to know a little bit of math. You have to realize that it's not only force and ability, it's also weight that you have to take it in, in under consideration. And my arms couldn't go and sustain my weight in the water. So I got tired pretty quickly. And then I started to sink. So the guy started saying, Pastor, just float. I mean, I don't know to float. So what happens if you stop moving your arms? I sink. I sound like a sack of potatoes. I just don't, I just don't know. So up to this day, I always start at the shallow part and then make my way, you know, when I, especially when, when I'm in a pool, start going like this, jumping, jumping. When you get to a certain point, that's it for me. Is I going to deep, into deep waters? I usually have to carry a life, um, life jacket or life something or something floatable that because I'm going to think. I will not jump unless there is something close by that I know I can hang on because I'm going to sing. When we talk about serving the Lord, we talk about mission, we talk about stepping out in faith, sometimes because this is our human nature, we want to jump in with all the security there. We want to jump in having all the question answers. We want to jump in with a floating device that's going to be a life jacket, a lifesaver in case something happened. Many a times, God does not work that way. 
And this particular um, individual is going to find out that God is going to take him out of his comfort zone and put him in a position where he's just going to have to trust this new that God is doing. Go to Acts chapter 10, if you would please. Acts chapter Chapter 10. By now, the church of Jerusalem is already established. We already passed over Pen- and Pentecost. And the, and the gospel is just flourishing all throughout Judea. The apostles are all at Jerusalem. And there is a persecution by the Hannah Saul, um, by the Jews against the the church, but in regard of the Roman Empire, they were free to worship and they were free to establish um, um, service and so on. In Acts chapter 10, God is going to answer a man's prayer in a certain way that is going to open by revelation the heart, the mind, and the vision of one of the apostles. And I'm talking about Peter. Let's read on in verse chapter 1, Acts chapter 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon whose surname is Peter. He lodged with one Simon, Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou hast to do. And when the angels which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. But let's pause there for a second. The scripture tell us about a man. He was not a Jew. He was a Roman soldier. In fact, he was a Roman of official. He was a centurion. But the Bible says, and the way it describing, he was a devout man. He, a, a devout man that was good to the people of Israel. Not only he was good to the people of Israel, but there was a man who prayed. He prayed. Always. Now, think about this for a, for a second. Up to this point, the disciples... I mean, the, the apostles and the church in Jerusalem, they thought that this new thing, the church, this new gift, the Holy Spirit, was just for Jews only. They were concentrating, the, um, giving out the gospel and their preaching and their message only to Jews. And lo and behold, without they knowing, God had people, God at least, with the Bible talk, at least at this one man that was not a Jew in another city that was praying to God and he was devoted to God and he was, and he have, um, 
and, and he worshiped God. We never know, you never know, who is it that God has in his hand already touched his heart? What seed have been planted in the heart and minds of people already before you and I get in contact with them? How oh, God been working in their heart? Oh, God has been, has been developing the gospel in their heart before we get in contact with them. At about three o'clock in the afternoon, when this man went up to pray, he saw a vision. He saw a vision and he recognized that it was the Lord. In verse number, in verse four, he said, what is it, Lord? And the Lord answered him and said, thy prayers and thy arms are come up for a memorial before God. It don't tell us specifically what he was praying for. But we know this. He was praying to the right God. A man that was part of a, the Roman Empire that was a polytheistic um, empire. They had many gods. An empire that was mostly pagan. Somehow, this man was praying to the true God. Somehow, this man has come in contact with the God and got knowledge about the gods of the Jews. And to that God, he prayed. And whatever he was praying for, the angel told him, your prayer has been answered. Your prayers have been answered. He instructed him to send for one of the apostles. Not just any apostle, but the apostle that was kind of like the leader of all the apostles. The apostle to whom Jesus same, um, told, told him that, that upon that rock, meaning um, that little rock being Peter... He will build his, his church who have given him the, the, the challenge to open the door of the gospel here at, here, here and earth, both to Jews and Gentiles, is sent for Peter. There is no mistake why Jesus sent him to get Peter. Later on, and we're not going to touch on that tonight. But when you get to chapter 16, chapter 17, when the apostles come in to Jerusalem for a, for a concilius, a council, a church, a church council, Peter is going to refer to this event when he saw, oh God, open the gospel to the Gentiles. Because up to that point, they thought it was just for Jews. He told Cornelius, go to Peter and he is going to tell you what to do. Now, I don't want to focus on Cornelius so much. I want to focus on Peter. Because you see, Cornelius is praying. He's trusting God. He obeyed this vision. He immediately called on two servants and 
and a soldier. Go to Joppa, go to this address. He told him everything what happened. Go get this man and bring him to me. Peter is oblivious. He has no idea this is going on. It's going to be four days between this vision and when Peter finally make it to Caesarea. There's going to be four days between the, 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 the meet. Joppa is about a day and a half um, away from Caesarea. So they're going to go out to look for Peter. Now go down as you would me, as you would please, to verse 9. And tomorrow, the very next day that this happened, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. This is about midday. I want to stop here for a second to mention this. In both instances, both men were what? Praying. Both men were praying. Those divine appointments that we talk about usually happen as a result of prayer. If you were here on Sunday night, you heard the missionaries talk about how prayer in their life is such, it's been such a, a, um, a important tool for direction and how they have seen over and over and over God answering their needs through prayer, including, as he mentioned, as we're talking about, a pink sofa where they didn't have none. Prayer. Prayer. Both men were praying. What this tells me to begin with is that I ought not to expect God to reveal, to direct, or to guide me unless I am in prayer. If I really want to take away all the noises from around, from, from around me, if I want to really hear God's voice, gotta be through prayer. Over and over and over again through the scripture, we see, oh God, answer and reveal and act upon what? Men and women that pray. Folks, we cannot, and I know we don't, but not diminish, we can overemphasize in all the issues of life, and walk with Christ, the importance of prayer. Both men were praying. And, and going up a little deeper in this, there is, there is a very important in the little um, detail that the Bible give us that Cornelius will go up at a certain time and pray and that Peter will go up at a certain time of prayer. That tells me that this was not just a occasional prayer. This was not just a, you know, because today is, is, is let's pray. No, this was a constant 
um, activity, a routine, if you want to call it so, that was part of their life. There are certain time of the day that is set aside to pray. A certain time of the day that is set aside to be with God. Not only, you know that prayer is not only to pray to God, but also to listen from God. And when Peter went up to pray, in verse 10 he said that during his time of prayer, he fell into a trance. The verse 10 said that he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, in other words, while they prepared food, he fell into a trance and he saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him and it had been a great sheet net of four corners and let down to the earth wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and falls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God cleansed, thou call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. According to Jewish law, and you know, I've never been Jewish, so I never applied this law. <laughs> there were certain things you couldn't eat. There were certain types of animals you couldn't eat. One big example of that was, you know, a pig. They wouldn't touch it. They wouldn't eat it. They wouldn't have nothing to do with pork shops. It's too bad. And here is Peter in this vision, seeing the heaven open. Isn't that great? That expression. He saw heaven open. And this vision of all these animals and the Lord telling him kill and eat and Peter said not so Lord you know <clears throat> I'm not going to criticize Peter because I understand what, what where, where he's coming from he's still thinking on his tradition he's still thinking as a Jew he's still thinking on religion he's still thinking on all these things that he has performed from a childhood the things that he has learned I'm not criticizing that but could you imagine saying no Lord not so of course we cannot imagine openly saying no to, to the Lord but this is the truth isn't the Bible said that to him to know to do it good and do it not to him that is sin and how many a times through his word through his spirit through his message through, through prayer and perhaps just by the, the, the pure impression of God, it tell us to us, to our heart and conscience what to do, and we quietly say, not so, Lord. 
Not so, Lord. I will follow my own path. Not so, Lord. I'm not ready. Not so, Lord. I is not what I think. Not so, Lord. I don't feel that way. Not so, Lord. I have other plans. Not so, Lord. It's not my time. Not so, Lord. Let, let later. Not so, Lord. I'm too busy. Not so, Lord. I got other plans. We might not say it openly, but I believe that many a times we have done it silently in our hearts and in our mind. So Peter said, not so, Lord. I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. I have never touched these animals. I never had these things. How am I going to defile myself by eating or touching there? And the Lord is going to tell him, is going to show him something new. For us, because we are after the fact, it's pretty common, it's pretty common knowledge. We accept it. We have no problem. We have, we from a different culture. We don't see any problem with it, but we got to put ourselves in Peter's shoes. For him, this was totally new. He had never, ever eaten anything unclean. He had never stepped out of the boundaries of what he learned or what he thought was pleasing to God by keeping these traditions and, and adhering to the law. He had never. This was totally new. And he said no. And he said no. Sometimes in our Christian life, we can be so um, accustomed or used to or comfortable to a, to to a certain way that when God asks us to step out in faith or when God asks us to, 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 to do something that is different that we are never done, that we've never been exposed to, we, we initially afraid on our, on our, on our initial reaction say, no, God, you cannot possibly ask me to join the choir. You can, God, you cannot ask me to be, to be a Sunday school teacher and help with the kids. God, you can, you could never be asking me to be trained and to be di- disciple. We're sitting next in our cubicle or, or in our desk and the Holy Spirit in presence to go and speak to the person across the room, that bitter, foul, nasty co-worker. And what we said to our head, oh God, you cannot possibly ask me to talk to him or talk to her and invite her to church or invite her to the function or invite her for lunch. You can't possibly ask me to do that, Lord. Well, guess what? Yes, it's possible. Because God is in the business of pushing us into doing new things and taking us out of our comfort zone. And pressing and stretching. So here is Peter. The Bible says that this happened three times. 
Just in that moment, the same vision, it happened three times. And what was God's response when he says no? What God had cleansed, thou count not thou common. Peter, what I have cleaned, what I have made whole, you don't call common. Oof. Get down on your big horses there. <laughs> After this happened, Peter was wondering what this vision meant. What this vision meant. You see, praise God that we have the word of God today. Amen. Praise God that we have the entire word of God. What God wanted to reveal to us, we have it complete. Do you agree? Amen. Thank God we no longer have to wonder through visions or through miracles or try to, 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 to figure out what God intend to, to do or what God intend in saying. We have it all here. And that's how we can compare scripture and understand what God is saying. But in Peter's day, he didn't have the book of Acts. <laughs> the only thing they had was the Old Testament. Things were still progressing. So God, yes, God will talk through, through visions and, and through other um, forms to his apostles and to the church. Right now, we have the perfect word of prophecy. And we have it here. We don't have to wonder. But after this happened to Peter, he was like, what does this vision mean? What the? Well, it's easy for me today to explain to you what it meant. And you already know, perhaps, you know the rest of the story. But for Peter on that moment, I guarantee you that he didn't went and eat. He started scratching his head. What does this mean? What does it mean? Three times. I wonder what that meant. I wonder what that meant. And all in a sudden, well, not quite. Maybe. <laughs> Let's read on. Verse 17. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter taught on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Wow. Who told him that? The Spirit. Who told him that? The Spirit. He was in a consensus. Again, how important it is as believers, if we want to walk with the Lord, to be in prayer. To be in prayer. Yes, the Spirit speak to our spirit. The Spirit witness to our spirit. Isn't that what Romans chapter 8 says? That the Spirit gave witness of our, to our spirit that we are a child of God? The Spirit told Peter, there are three men waiting for you at the door. Go with them with no doubt. Don't doubt because I sent them. That's God speaking. Now, what's going to follow 
is a series of events and decisions that these have been a first in Peter's life. A first. What's going to happen next is a first in Peter's life. Now, for you and I, it's like, uh, perhaps not so much of a big deal. You know, we live in New Jersey. In New Jersey, you have all kind of people, right? All kind of people from all over. Irish, Italian, Eastern European, from Africa, Latinos, all kind of people. And here and there, Americans. <laughs> have you ever been in a place where you never, they never seen anyone like you? I have. In the year 2000, I went to Thailand. I was the youth pastor of a Korean church. That's another story I'll tell you someday. And, and, and that year, the church went to Thailand and Korea, and they wanted me to go there. In fact, if someday, I could, if someday I could share that testimony, that was the trip that really made me, God work in my heart from, from mission, what I saw there. We went to Thailand, and we went, we landed in Bangkok, and then we went up to Chiang Mai, like 12 hours in the train to Chiang Mai, and then we went and, uh, a little car ride for four hours into the mountain. Then we got on a boat for three hours. And then they left us at a place, and we have to walk into the mountain. I'm not kidding. I got pictures and videos still. I look a lot slimmer back then, 2000 year, 19 years ago. Uh, like four hours into the mountain to go to a people named the Lahu people. They live up in the mountains in Thailand, they are um, like a mixed breed, so they don't live among the general population. They have their own villages, and, they are, and, and we were going to minister there. Now, think about this. Thailand, they look Asian, you know. They're small. They got the eyes like this. Koreans, they look Asian. They're kind of small and thin, and the eyes like this. And the black guy. <laughs> when I walk into that village... Have you seen that cartoon when all the moms <laughs> call for their children and say, unlock the doors and everybody run? Something like that happened. They have never seen a black person. And they're looking at me and they, they are, and, and I was like, this is so, you know, there are always some brave kids in, 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 in that, that will come close and came close. I sat still. <laughs> so I didn't scare anybody. <laughs> So I sat still and, I, and the kids would come and like four kids, they would come and start pinching and want to know, you know, looking at my color and playing with my hair. I have a little afro, so I have some hair. They never seen anything. They were pretty smart though because I started putting on my hands and playing with them and swinging them around and they started calling me Superman. That, that was smart. I was very big, but that's another story to tell you. But have you ever been in something like that? And then, it was totally new to them. I was totally new to them. Well, what Peter is going to face now was totally new to him. He had never done in his life. And it's going to be a series of things that God is going to put him through for him to realize, listen, the gospel is not only for Jews, it's for Gentiles also. Listen to what happened. 
Let's read verse 21. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he who ye seek. What is the cause wherefore you are come? And they say, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, and one that feared God, and of a good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by a holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Then called he them in, and lodged them, and on the morrow Peter went away with them, and certain veteran from Joppa accompanied him. Number one, Peter is accepting Gentiles into his house. Never before. It was against. If you think that eating an unclean um, meat was something that Jews rejected, it was even worse to keep company with Gentiles. And this is a first for Peter. He invited them in. They spend the night, and the next day, they head over to Caesarea. Not only him, he brought some veterans. That means some fellow believers with him, all Jews. That's a first. Never happened before. Keep reading with me, if you would, please. <clears throat> Verse 24. And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. Just a point there. The best way, um, if, if, if um, and please pray for this. Um, over at Mosaic, we're going to be looking to do some home um, Bible studies. And Wednesday night is Spanish and Thursday night is English. But in the month of September, we want to bring the Bible study into people's homes. And so they will have an opportunity to do what this man did. You see what he did? He brought in his family members and some of his near friends because he knew that Peter was coming. What a great way to evangelize. What a great way to give the gospel. What, what, what a great way to share the good news with those that are closer to us that perhaps will say no to a Sunday morning invitation to church, but they will come to have coffee to your house or dinner and listen to someone share the word. So this is what this man this man is, is doing. He's not only a prayer man, but he's also one that is conscious of the gospel. He wants others to hear. He invites his relatives and he invites friends to come and listen. Let's continue. Verse 25. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Listen, look at the reaction of Peter now. But Peter took him up saying, stand up, I myself also am a man. Where is the Jew part? Non-existent. Before all of this was going on, in Peter's mind and heart, there were they and us. We were the elected one, and they was they were just evil, wicked, apart from not you people. That I'm just a reference, okay? <laughs> They're looking at me like <laughs> I'm 
Not you. <laughs> but now, because of all what is going on, when this man went and worshipped him, Peter immediately picked him and said, no, hey, I'm a man. I myself am a man, just like you. No more, no more Jew. God is starting to work in Peter's heart and mind. No, no longer that separation, whether it's cultural, whether it's ethnic, whether it's, it's religion, he says, I'm a man, just like you. And another new is gonna continue. Look at the next verse. Verse 27. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were there come together. Listen, for a Jew to walk into a Gentile house. Could you imagine for the very first time, Peter is walking into that house. He thinks he's talking to Cornelius. Oh, come on in. Oh, And he turned the corner. Whoa. Spack with people. He's going to have fellowship with a bunch of Gentiles. Never before in his life. For the very first time, he's been confronted with this truth. He's going to be confronted with this truth. All these Gentiles are sitting there hungry and waiting. What is this man going to say? What word he's going to bring? For the very first time. Verse 28. And he said unto them, You know, listen, this is Peter talking, You know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company. Or come unto one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying as soon as I was sent for. I asked therefore for what intent you have sent for me. Now. He had to mention that. He had to mention it. Because nobody was thinking, Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> Lord, this is new. What am I doing here? All these Gentiles. In his Judaism, they look at Gentiles as evil, as pigs, as separate from God. I know you have a boat, a house full of them. And they all come, they're all there to listen to him. So you have to say that. You know that it's unlawful for my people to keep company from anyone from another nation. But, you sent for me, God sent me here. And in his question, we got to realize this. At this point, even Peter did did not know why he was there. He asked them, for what purpose? Why you send for me? He didn't even know why he was there. You know, in obedience to God, in following God's 
um, direction. Many a times, you and I will not know or will not have all the answers. He does not promise to give us all the answer when we want the answer. He just expect obedience. He expect obedience. Especially when it says something new. Perhaps we can begin to pray ourselves. We can separate a special time of the day to pray. God, do something new in my life. God, take me up to a higher level. Bring me to a higher ground. Do something new. I've been doing this for all so many years. Is there something more you want me to do? Is there something, are there other doors or new doors you want me to walk in? And you never know what could happen. Peter is about to know or to find out why God summoned him there. But that, gonna be, that is going to lead for you to read tonight when you go home. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much because you're a good God. The way you lead us, the way you guide us, the way you put us into situation, God, to, to look at you and to, and, and, and to follow. Please forgive us, Lord, if at any moment we have said no. Because of whatever. But help us, Lord, to have the disposition, the heart, the desire to be ready to be in prayer unsolved and tender to your voice. If we walk with you, we are not to be afraid even if we don't know the answer. If you are the one that got that guiding. Please be with the team that is in New Mexico. Bless them. Multiply their efforts and the fruit that is going to be, that are going to come about of their ministry there. Guide us home and until we meet again, let your blessings follow. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.